Welcome to worship at Salem Alliance Church. Let's join Steve Fowler, lead pastor, as he begins. Uh, this uh, weekend has been a rather different one in the Fowler household. Um, it's uh, we, Trina and I are actually in a, in a short little move this weekend. We were moving from one house to another, kind of closer to my, my parents who are living in town. And, um, and we want just to be a little bit closer to them as, as they're getting a little bit older. But don't tell my parents I said they were getting older because I'll be in trouble. Uh, they come to our 5 o'clock service. And so we were actually about 4 o'clock on Friday. I was getting a hand truck borrowed from Tim France here. And I got a call from my daughter, Brittany. Um, she and her husband are expecting a baby that's due at the end of January. And her water broke on Friday at the beginning of our move. And so Trina and I uh, quickly made a move with some great help, some good friends. And threw everything in the house and uh, got stuff set up on Friday night, set up, uh, if you know what I mean. (laughs) And uh, then all night kind of had phones close by and sort of keeping tabs on on labor. And about every hour we were getting updates. And and then, of course, we didn't sleep. And about uh, 6.30 in the morning on Saturday, we got up and drove to Portland to the hospital to to be with my daughter and uh, and her husband as, as it seemed like it was getting close. And at 9.27 on Saturday morning, uh, little Finley Faye was born. Uh, yeah, isn't that a great picture? Uh, that, that's her moments after she was born. And uh, this is her uh, a little bit later. I've been telling everybody she came out of the womb wearing that headband. She just was all ready for the world. Adorable. And, you know, one of the... Well, she's 5 pounds, 14 ounces. Uh, so a little bit early, but she's health-wise, she's doing great. Um, mom's doing great. Um, I hadn't slept in two days, and last night I said to the Saturday night service, I said, I mean, mom's doing great. I mean, how hard can it be uh, to have a baby, right? <laughs> yeah, I got in trouble last night, so I'll make sure. You know, when you haven't slept for a couple of days, you never know what you're going to preach on uh, or if you're ever going to make a point. Uh, but we got some good rest last night. Uh, baby's doing great. And so for Trina and I, this is a really weird thing. We knew we were going to be grandparents. But I, we, we, as we are getting in bed last night, we are like, man, we're grandpa and grandma. This is so strange. Uh, some of you are going, how old is that guy? Uh, I feel young. I heard the old comment over there. But uh, I, I was walking up the stairs here, and I felt like I got winded. I had to sit down on a, a stool. <sighs> I need a nap. Uh, give me a remote control or something. Or, uh, it, it's, it's such a surreal experience, and we're just overjoyed and thrilled. And I just wanted to share that joy with you. And by the way, you know, Barbara Fletcher has been showing grand, uh, grandchild pictures now for years. And I, so I, I get the sense that there needs to be a little competition. And so a little, a little, you know, a little more, uh, more equity in, in, in all this talk about grandkids. So Barb Fletcher, wherever you are, game on. Uh, <laughs> We're going to see some pictures. You're going to be sick of my granddaughter. No, you won't. No, you won't be sick, will you? <laughs> it's been fun. It's been fun uh, seeing our family grow. And speaking of our family, uh, when our kids were much younger, uh, uh, we were instilling habits and disciplines in them. We wanted them to be, uh, to be kids who, who grew up being grateful, uh, to, who grew up being, being thankful in a society, in a culture, in a world that uh, often is thankless. Or a, or, or a society that feels like things are owed to them, uh, that they're, they're due things, they deserve some things. We wanted our kids to grow up being thankful, to be grateful, to, to have a spirit of gratitude that would flow from them. And so we did things that a lot of you have done or are doing. 
uh, like uh, when you sit down for dinner at night with your family. I hope you, you hope you do that uh, as much as you can. You sit down at, at dinner with your family. We would stop and we'd pray, reminding ourselves that God is the giver of every good gift, that the meal that we have before us is because of His graciousness, Rem- reminding ourselves that there are people in our world who won't have a meal today, and, and then thanking God. And we would pray, and then we would often ask our kids to pray and, and uh, teach them how to pray and thank God. And then when the meal was done, one of our practices was, uh, instead of just saying, may I be excused on the table, we, we would say, we would teach them, to, may I be excused, thank you for the food. We wanted them to begin a meal by thanking God and to end a meal by thanking uh, parents who have taken the time to put food on the table for them, uh, to, to teach them this discipline and uh, to, in a very small way, teach them how to be grateful. Now, if, if you're a parent, you know that there are those moments when you're doing these things and you wonder, is this, is this taking? Is this, is this happening? Are my kids becoming grateful? And, um, and every once in a while, you, you, you hear something, you see something, and it's, it's really encouraging. One time we were driving home from a, a eating out at a fine dining establishment, probably was McDonald's because we ate at uh, some place that had a play place, let the kids run, run off of energy so they could sleep at night. And we were driving home and one of our kids in the back of the van said, uh, hey mom, mom and dad, uh, thanks so much for dinner. Thanks for dinner. And then the other kids echoed in and chimed in, yeah, yeah, thanks for dinner, mom and dad, thanks for dinner. And um, you know, when, it, when it's not scripted for your kids and they become grateful and thankful, it, as a parent, your heart is just endeared to your children when, when they're grateful. In fact, what it does, it not only endears them to you, it, it enlarges your heart for them. In fact, you want more goodness, humanly speaking. You want more of your goodness to flow to your kids. You want more generosity to, to flow toward, to be directed towards your children when they're grateful. And it's, it just flows naturally out of them. Uh, it, it's, it's, it enlarges your heart. Now, in, in a few moments, we're going to have a, a, the opportunity to come to the table, the communion table, and give thanks to Jesus Christ for what he's done for us. Uh, but before we do that, I want to take us to a story in our, in our Jesus series found in Luke chapter 17. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke 17, uh, verse 11, a story uh, about the ten lepers. A story that perhaps many of you know well. Maybe some of you, you've never heard this story. Uh, we've gone through it in our Bible study this last week. Uh, if you're following on our Bible studies. Uh, the story of the ten lepers. And in the time we're, we're preparing to come to the table and give thanks, I want you to see these ten guys. I want you to see their two responses that come out of these ten guys. And then I wanted to show you a little bit of a surprising discovery at the end of the story. Uh, a surprising discovery at the end of the story. Ten guys, two responses, a surprising uh, discovery at the end. And, uh, but let's read this story, Luke 17. If you'd stand, I'll read from the Pew Bible here. It's on page 1037, if you didn't bring a Bible with you. Uh, you'll find this in uh, Luke 17. I'll read, and if you follow along, that would be terrific. Luke 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. 
One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at the feet at, at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is God's holy word. and You may be seated. The story of the ten lepers. Let me just quickly just talk about leprosy as a disease because it's not a common disease in, in the U.S. It, it is still around in, in parts of the world. It's called Hansen's disease now. But in, in history, leprosy was a, a very disfiguring, uh, really a grotesque attack on the human body. It would attack your skin, uh, turning it different colors, and, and open sores would, would take place. You would lose uh, your, some of your nerves, nerve endings, and, uh, and literally you're, you become so deformed, you may lose fingers, you may lose a nose, uh, part your, your feet. Over time, it just you slowly, slowly waste away. And it's a horrible disease. And uh, with it comes, in, in historical times, especially in biblical times, with it comes... Tremendous stigma that these ten lepers, as they were being disfigured, would have faced. Because their community would have seen leprosy as a sort of divine punishment. Leprosy was seen as, as God punishing you for either sins that you've committed or perhaps sins your family has committed. Maybe this comes from uh, stories like in Numbers 12 where Miriam criticizes her brother Moses uh, for marrying a Cushite wife. Aaron and Miriam jump in on this and, and God calls them all together. And in the story, Miriam is struck with leprosy for speaking out against Moses. And, and, and she's sent out of the camp and eventually she's healed and brought back in. But uh, that's a story of, of a leprosy being a consequence uh, for, for wrong. Or Second Chronicles chapter 26, there's a king named Uzziah who, uh, whose arrogance builds and he crosses some boundaries by, uh, by engaging in priestly duties that weren't his. And, and the priests are trying to stop him. Uh, but he rants and he rages against them. And, and then he's struck with leprosy. It begins on his forehead. And Uzziah eventually uh, dies. And uh, maybe it's stories like that in the, in the scriptures where uh, people would have seen, if you've got leprosy, it's because you've done something wrong. These ten lepers would have been looked at as, as being punished by God. The second thing you should know about these ten lepers is that the disease robbed them not only of their physical health, but it, it robbed them of, of their health, their name, their occupation, their family, and their community. It, it, it destroyed them physically. It, it destroyed their reputation. If you had leprosy... You would have to leave your home. You'd be separated from your wife, your husband, your, your brothers, your sisters, your mom or your dad. You would have to leave. You would lose that community. You would lose your job and you would have a new community. This new community would be a, a, a colony of lepers, a, a gathering of lepers who were isolated, who were ostracized uh, from villages. In fact, they would live outside villages in their own colonies and to, to stay away from others so that others weren't contaminated. Uh, by this disease. Third thing I want you to know is that they were considered unclean and immoral. Many of you know this, but uh, lepers had to keep at least, a scholar say, a 50-foot distance from people who were healthy. 
And if you came within 50 feet or close to that boundary, that imaginary boundary, it was the leper's responsibility to announce to you that he was unclean. Not just physically unclean, but spiritually unclean. He was immoral. And what they would do is they'd have to put their hand over their mouth and they would shout to you, unclean, unclean, as if saying, keep your distance from me because I don't want you to be contaminated by this dreaded disease that I have. And just imagine the emotional trauma of having to do that. To announce to people your shortcomings. Don't get too close to me because you'll get dirty if you get too close to me. Keep your distance. They were seen as unclean. Uh, The next thing is that they were viewed as the living dead. The walking dead. Ever seen a zombie movie? That's... That literally, that's not too far from the fact. They're un, unkept hair, tattered clothes. They were viewed as the walking dead. Um, in fact, Josephus, he's a first century historian. Josephus, not a Christ follower, writes this in his history books. Lepers are those in no way differing from a corpse. Okay? They're no different than a corpse. They're, they're the walking dead. They're, they're, they're a dead man, dead woman. The next thing you want to know, you'd want to know about these, these ten lepers that the healing of their leprosy, they're the walking dead, living dead, the healing of their leprosy would be as, as miraculous as raising someone from the dead. It would be as shocking, as surprising, as unexpected as being at a funeral and seeing someone rise out of the casket. That's how shocking and astounding it would be to see leprosy healed. So in this story, we've got ten lepers who are outside of a village, which we read in the story, and they're outside of a village because they can't go in the village. They can't be in the community. They're ostracized. They're isolated. They're unclean. They're outside this village, and Jesus is making a journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. He's walking that border between Galilee and Samaria, and he's going he's gonna to go to Jerusalem, and along the way, he's going to enter a village, and as he's about to enter, these ten lepers who are at a distance, who normally would shout, unclean, unclean, are shouting, Jesus, Master, Jesus, Teacher, Jesus, Lord, have pity on me, be tender towards me, have compassion on me. And Jesus responds in uh, in a curious way. He says to these ten lepers, go show yourself to the priests. The reason this is uh, is curious is because if you were a leper and you were healed, then you went to go see a priest. And a priest was was like the, the health inspector of the day. God's representative But you went to the priest and the priest would pronounce you as healed before you could go back to your family or back to your village. Now get this, we get ten lepers who are crying out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And Jesus doesn't say, be healed. Jesus doesn't walk over to them and put his hands on lepers like he's done before. He doesn't spit in the mud like he's done with blind men and and rub mud on them. He says, go show yourself to the priests. But they're not healed yet. And these ten lepers do that very thing. They begin a journey of faith. They're not healed. The leprosy is still there. But they're going to go see the priests because that's what Jesus has said. And, and so they begin this journey of faith. And nothing's changed. And let me just pause right here in the story because perhaps there are some of you who 
are on a journey of faith. These ten guys, you, you, we read the story, one of them comes back, but all ten of them uh, displayed a measure of faith. They're on a journey of faith and perhaps you're here and you need healing. You felt like you're, you feel like you're unclean. Maybe there's a change in your circumstances where you're in great pain. You're, you're waiting for an answer and you're, you're obeying. You're taking the steps you believe God's called you to take and you're on the journey and it's a journey of faith. And, and you're, you're hoping that this journey of faith is going to lead to healing. That's what the ten lepers were doing. On a journey, still leprous, their destination is to have a conversation with a priest who's going to inspect their bodies, which is probably missing fingers, noses, eyes are deformed, hoping they'll be declared clean. Can you feel the tension in that? And another little curious tension is that one of them is a Samaritan, and Samaritans don't worship in Jerusalem, by the way. Their temple's in Mount Gerizim. But apparently he's going on the same journey these others are on. And isn't it funny how when you're in suffering, all the things that typically divide you or may divide us suddenly don't matter? Ten men on a journey of faith because Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. They're on the journey and the, the original language in the story would, would suggest to us not that as they were taking step number five, step number ten, that this gradual healing took place so that when they got to the priest, they were, they were going to be healed. No, no, what the language tells us is that when they're on the journey, there comes a moment when they are dramatically healed. Sometimes it is a gradual healing, but in this story, it's it's a moment. In a moment, suddenly, suddenly they are healed. And put yourself in their shoes. You've got this dreaded disease. Everyone thinks you're being punished. You're unclean. You're the walking dead. You're going to go show yourself to the priest and along the way for this disease that no one can cure, you are healed. And they had to be jumping up and down. They had to be looking at each other and counting fingers and 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 just just amazed at what's taken place. And it's here that we see our two responses. Ten guys, two responses. Nine guys keep going to go see the priest. This is the last we hear of them. This is the last we hear of these nine guys. Now, let me make another observation. The closest that these nine guys got to Jesus was when they were in need. Isn't that just like us? It's just like me. Sometimes the closest we get to Jesus is when we have that desperate need and then things are good and we sort of have this distance that increases between us and our Christ. These nine guys, they're they're healed. They're with this Samaritan as well. And they're all healed. The nine guys go to the priest. And I'm guessing they had an amazing reunion with their families. Imagine, Imagine one of them knocking on the door of their home. And seeing their wife, their husband, their son, their daughter come to the door, open the door and and see, see you, you who were punished, you who were separated and isolated, you who who had that dreaded disease now completely healed. Can you imagine the joy, the shouting, the celebration around the, the dinner table? It had to be an incredible reunion and an intense celebration because the person who was the walking dead is now alive. But this one leper puts all that on hold. This one leper, he he undoubtedly has a reunion that he wants to have. He undoubtedly has celebrations that he wants to participate in. But he puts that all on hold because he connects the dots back to Jesus. 
He knows it's Jesus who has healed him. So before he can do any of his celebrating, before he can do any of that good stuff, and that's good stuff, he has to go back to Jesus and say thank you. He goes back to Jesus and in a loud voice, literally it means there, in a violent voice, he is praising God. I like that, violently praising God. I have no idea what that looks like or sounds like. But this, this guy, he, he just wasn't grateful. It was just flowing out of him. It was an emotion of gratitude. In a loud, violent voice, he's praising God, literally honoring God. And he throws himself at the feet of Jesus. It's a Middle Eastern expression of submission and reverence, humility. At the feet of Jesus and thanking Jesus. Ten guys, two responses. One, uh, an outpouring of gratitude. Nine guys who are grateful, but it almost seems like Jesus is a means to an end. I got what I needed. And on they go. And can you hear the woundedness in Jesus' voice when he says, weren't, weren't there ten of you guys? Were not all ten cleansed? Weren't there ten lepers? And now there's just one who's come back to say thank you, and this guy's a Samaritan? He's a foreigner? Nine guys who had a barrier of leprosy between them and people, and this guy had two barriers. He wasn't even part of God's, God's family so to speak. And he's come back to say thanks. I think you can hear the woundedness in the Father heart of God for those who didn't thank, but then you see the heart enlarged, the, the heart endeared by this one who comes and says thank you. And here's a surprising discovery. As this man has been violently praising God, he's humble, he's face down at the feet of Jesus, he's thanking God Jesus says to him, rise, go, your faith has made you well. Isn't he already well? I thought he was healed. Rise, go, your faith has made you well. In, and we, don't, we don't talk a lot about the, the original language in which the scripture is written, but every once in a while there's a little, there's a gold mine there. And there's uh, there's... Three common words used for healing. The first one is therapeo, which is, a, we get our English word therapy from this. This is the act of healing. This is what Jesus, when Jesus is in a synagogue healing on the Sabbath, uh, he's, he's confronted by the Pharisees. This is that word. The second word here, amized, is, is to be healed. This is when the lepers are on the journey and they are cleansed, they are healed. This means to be set free. And indeed, these ten lepers were set free from a dreaded disease. They were the walking dead. They were unclean. But now they've been set free from this leprosy. When Jesus says to this, last, this leper who's come back, rise, your faith has made you well. That word well is the word sozo, which is often translated salvation. Here's the surprising discovery. Those nine guys had a, had a, a skin-deep healing. They were physically healed. But this man, who made the choice to be a worshiper, to come back and thank, experienced a deeper healing. He, he experienced sozo, which means to save, rescue, to deliver, to heal, so you are in right relationship with God. The, the condition before salvation, before you experienced this, was one of grave danger or distress. 
This man, because he chose to be a worshiper, experienced a deeper healing that the other nine never experienced. Simply because of gratitude and thankfulness. It's as if this one guy says thank you and the heart of God is endeared and more generosity, more of God's goodness flows to this man. And Jesus says to him, rise, your faith has saved you. You are healed. You're healed. He experienced a healing that the nine, as far as we know, never experienced. Simply because he chose to come and worship and thank. Now here's the deal. We, we were all lepers before we met Christ. We were all lepers before we met Christ. We were the walking dead. Disfigured by sin. Separated from the family of God. Yet Christ in his mercy went to the cross and paid our sin penalty so that we could be healed. By his stripes we are healed. And many of us have tasted that healing and we know the, the joy of, of being healed. But will we be worshipers? Will we be people who, who remember that once, once we were like sheep who had gone astray? Everyone turning to his own way. Once we were separated, once we were actually enemies of God. But Christ healed. Christ saved. And now we have life. And can we ever thank him enough? And this morning, as we come to the communion table, the, the table that's often called the, the Eucharist, the meal that's called the Eucharist, the Thanksgiving meal, that word Eucharist is, is the Greek word thanks. So when that guy goes back and he in a loud voice praises God, falls at the feet of Jesus and thanks him, he Eucharists Jesus, he literally thanks him. When we celebrate the Eucharist, we celebrate communion, we come to a table as a people who were once separated from God but now who have been healed. And we come and we get to say thank you. You've been listening to Steve Fowler, lead pastor at Salem Alliance Church. If you've enjoyed this message, we'd love for you to be our guest at our worship service on our main campus at 5th and Market Streets in Northeast Salem. Worship services are Saturday at 5 and 6.30 p.m. and again on Sunday at 8, 9.30 and 11 a.m. If you'd like to receive a free Bible and more information on how to become a Christ follower, feel free to call our office at 503-581-2129. We'd love to know how we can serve you. And once again, that's Salem Alliance Church at 5th and Market Streets in Northeast Salem.